Okay, welcome to Free Association. It's the 25th of May, 2023. And I've got another conversation involving Karen Kingston to post today. And uh, it gets a little bit evangelical Christian in the middle, but don't, don't do that bit. Just do the technology part. Let let your mind settle on the technology. Let let them work out what's what's a demon and what's not. I'm I'm not interested in demons. They can be interested in demons if they want to be, but I'm not fighting demons. I'm fighting people. So I'm interested in technology, patents, and people. That's my primary concern. Uh, everything else is personal opinion, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, and I like Karen Kingston, I like Anna Machiele, or however you pronounce that, but I'm not doing the evangelical Christian fighting demons thing under any circumstances. And I find that distracting and it, it's it's put, putting me off. I'm going to post this because I know Karen Kingston's a good source of information, but you have to allow for the fact that she's evangelical Christian and she wants... Like you, if you listen to the way they talk, they're using small details to hypnotize themselves into the evangelical Christian position. So, something like the devil's in the detail. If you take that literally, then of course you're going to see demons everywhere. But it's not meant to be taken literally. It's a figure of speech. So if it's just too, they're too literal about it. And I, I can't get away with it at all. But I do think that, that the conversation's worth hearing. It's, it's quite long. It's an hour and, hour and 40 minutes or thereabouts. And it is worth hearing. So that's why I'm posting it. But it, when they get to the part where they're fighting demons, just skip over it because it's pointless. For anybody who's actually wanting to achieve something, the getting... Getting caught up in fighting demons is totally pointless. So, because there are no demons. There are no demons. That's hypnosis. So, Karen Kingston, God love her, she's trying to, she's trying to deprogram people, but she's programming people in another way in the process of deprogramming people, which I can't get away with. I'm not interested. If... If I'm stepping out of programming, I'm stepping out of all of the programming. For me, that's the only way I can do it. If I have to go through another set of programming to get there, then fine. But if there's a way to step out of it all, then I want to step out of it all. I'm not interested in being hypnotised by anybody. So anyway, this is uh, this is the conversation. It's It's quite long, but skip through some of it. The first part is very interesting, up to the point where they start talking about demons. Um, I'm still going through the rest of it, but I can recommend the first 40 minutes or so. 
Facto. I'm your host, Dr. Anna Maria Mihalcha, and I have such a phenomenal and special guest today. Karen Kingston is with me today. She is a phenomenal expert on patents, a pharma insider, has been a truth warrior for such a long time, and I am so honored to speak to her today and really dive in deep about a lot of different subjects from bioweapons, of understanding more of the patents in regards to all of these findings that we've had over the last few months. First of all, welcome, Karen, and thank you so much for being here with me. Thank you, Anna. I'm so honored to be here. I mean, it's so, I'm joyful to be speaking with you. People know, I think that we've talked um, offline behind the scenes, and I'm thankful that you actually have been using EDTA successfully too, that you, you know, you're you're actually someone who understands this technology, this bioweapon, and you're seeking solutions and you're seeing success. So it's my honor to be able to speak to you. So thank you for having me. Thank you, Karen. And I think that you are very meticulous or particular about how people call this and that we should be using the term bioweapon. Can you explain a little bit why you're so adamant of why this needs to be done? Absolutely. Uh, so the first reason is because it is it is a bioweapon. Um, by definition, uh, federal criminal code eighteen USC one seventy five. What is a bio bioweapon? It is any biological agent. So it could be a vaccine, something that you would have normally called a vaccine. Uh, a, a vaccine that doesn't prevent infection. It doesn't prevent a disease. So it doesn't pre- prevent heart failure or lung inflammation or anything like that. And it wasn't done under bona fide research. And we know the FDA trials were not done under bona fide research and it doesn't serve a peaceful purpose. What does that mean? That means it can harm you. So if if you're injected with a vaccine that doesn't prevent infection, doesn't prevent disease, the FDA trials were fraudulent and it causes disease, disabilities and death, by definition, that's a bioweapon. So it's important to call it a bioweapon. You know, it would be like calling um, bullets spoons. You don't want to do that, right? I mean, you know, so that's why you need to call it a bioweapon. And also from a criminal and civil liability, there's a whole different set of laws. There is no law. There is no law in America, you know, or anywhere around the globe that actually protects anyone from using a bioweapon on a civilian population. It goes against, as you guys know, it goes against the Nuremberg Code. It goes against... um, there's a number of humanity uh, codes for warfare. It goes against the universal code for military justice in the United States. Uh, And it's one of the gravest breaches. And in each state in America, there's laws uh, that are basically second degree manslaughter laws for use of a bioweapon. And and what that does too, is if you call it a vaccine or a prototype or, or whatever, something that it's not, then when you go into a court of law or you go speak to a sheriff for arrest, then all of a sudden you're trapped in emergency use authorization law or you're trapped in vaccine law and you wanna get out of that circus, right? So again, it, and it doesn't matter if Pfizer says the military told us to do it. The contracts don't even say that, by the way. But it'd be like if the military, someone called me up and said, hey, I got an order from HHS. We're going to ship you a gun. And what you need to do is go down to each one of your neighbors and you're going to shoot them, but you're going to call the bullets cupcakes. And so you're fine. And, you know, I mean, that, that's literally what it, that's so, so if you keep calling a bullet a cupcake, you know, this isn't cupcake law. It's, you know, I mean, this is, this is weapon law. So that's why it's really important. So, I, and I, I want people to know 
They have the authority to call it a bioweapon. We know it's harming people. We know it doesn't prevent infection. We know it causes disease. You have the authority to call it what it is. You don't need permission from somebody. So a way to have a conversation with people about this, especially if they were vaccinated, say, you know, if, if it comes up or you want to just talk to them, just be like, I really want to talk to you about, you know, that, that you're vaccinated. You know, what were you expecting that was going to happen when you were vaccinated? Like what in your mind, what were the benefits? And if they, you know, if they say, oh, I thought I wasn't going to get an, an infection. I thought I wouldn't get the disease COVID. I wouldn't get sick. And I thought I wouldn't, you know, infect other people. And then, you know, talk to me, like you understand that none of that, the FDA and CDC have said none of that happens. And now people are getting strokes and heart attacks from the injections and have that conversation. Just be like, um, um, under the law and under the, the verbiage in the United States, a vaccine that doesn't prevent infection and doesn't prevent disease and doesn't prevent transmission. And, and one that actually causes things like heart, heart inflammation, heart attacks and death. Legally, that's a bioweapon. That's the term you have to use and, and, and say, look, I think you should seek justice, but you have to call it a bioweapon. And those are the laws that you would pursue. Does, does that make sense or? Yes, it makes okay. sense. And in particular, you know, in regards to what we've been finding and we've had conversations about, you know, this technology, the hydrogel and these metals that have been found that are toxic uh, in and of themselves. And yeah. so to call these things debris, when they're in every single vial and they're clearly intentionally placed in there yeah. to to have an effect, I have the same sense uh, that people need to start calling things as they are, just just like you know the uh, the microchips that that are developing out of hydrogel. They're not cholesterol, you know. Cholesterol is doesn't have robotic arms that assembles and disassembles, and it's Wi-Fi responsive. So I think that calling things what they are and being specific about them, then understanding that you know none of this should be in a vaccine is super important. It's very important, yeah. And and two, and we I know you, we talk about the technology, and that that's something we're going to talk about today, and. Um, you know, for, for people that, I mean, you almost want to do this test with people that are vaccinated. Um, it, you know, maybe you don't want to talk about the technology, but more than likely they're magnetic and that coins will stick to their um, sternum. So, you know, that's something else you could say, like, look, just take a dime and see if it sticks on your sternum here. Um, a vaccine doesn't cause that. This is a technology that has hosted an electromagnetic field inside of you now. It's a bioweapon. And so, um, you know, a lot of times the information we talk about, especially people who haven't, don't, don't still think this thing is a vaccine, right? It can be overwhelming, but I think there's ways to start these conversations, right? And, you know, and that might be something like, you know, do, um, do the dime test and then go get a D-dimer. I'm sorry, that's a bad pun, but like, that's like, <laughs> so. Yes, our live blood analysis is even more sensitive. Yeah, and then yeah, there's blood analysis too, and they'll see it. So these are, I think, that, I think it's important for us to start talking to each other and know and have the confidence to start talking to each other. And there's ways, there are ways to do it. Like again, like you know, you don't say it's a bio weapon. You just say, what were your expectations from the vaccine? Like, what were, what have the outcomes been? And and then just share what's going, what the what the what the truth is, you know. And and that's a good way to do it. I do want to talk about how this is absolutely intentional, and I wanted to talk about how Pfizer like. Um, if we could go through their contract 
they it, they actually were ordering the they they made they were ordering the DOD. They were bossing the DOD around. It's a very interesting contract. Uh, and one of the things that people are going to find interesting is that they said we're not going to adhere to the Bay Dole Act, which means you're not going to take our intellectual property. They actually end up taking it, but it also means we're not going to adhere to um, manufacturing in the United States exclusively or ensuring that U.S. citizens are manufacturers for this government contract. No other contracts written like that. Moderna is not written like that, and J and J is not written like that. So it's a it's there's a lot of opportunity for Pfizer to do a lot of evil things, and I just wanted to maybe if we could share that. Is that yes, okay. absolutely. Please okay. do. Let's do this. So, um, whoops. Oh, this is it. Is this it? Oh, okay. Which? Um, just see which one I have. Up. Which one do you guys see on the screen right now? It says mRNA vaccine developments working to expand Pfizer's leadership. Okay. Oh, there it is. Okay. Let me get, um, let me pull it up. So what this is, this is just a little snapshot. So um, this is, they, they had a pipeline meeting. So the pipeline is all the products you have in, currently on market and, and coming to market from uh, preclinical through phase one, two, and three. Um, and this was a December 22nd meeting or December 12th meeting. Uh, this is the head of mRNA uh, at Pfizer, Annalisa Anderson, uh, and the, the head of commercialization. So she's the head of uh, vaccine research and development, and he is, um, or I don't know if he or she, uh, Naveen Katel is the mRNA portfolio. So, the, the, you know, you can find the people that are in charge of this. So what's interesting is Pfizer has 63% market share of all COVID-19 vaccines around the globe. So uh, their total sales, uh, they're going to announce their 2022 sales on the 31st. Uh, but it, if you, the forecasted sales, I think, are about $34 billion plus $37 billion the year before. So you're looking at $70 billion. Um, it was manufactured in the U.S. This is an image that was taken from a military base. Um, and, you know, people are saying, is there any evidence that the lots vary? And I, I believe there's, tw there's 12 different versions, and I'll explain in a second. But Pfizer admits in their FDA approval that the lots do vary. Uh, so, so, you know, I don't know, I don't know what that means, Anna, exactly as far as does that mean that not everyone got the technology in it? Um, I, there, I do believe there's 12 variations and one of them was placebo. But uh, this, in the approval letter, they said we're going to send out a dear healthcare provider letter to be included with lots that are compliant with the FDA approved formulation. So these were all the lots up until August 23rd that were EUA. What does that mean? They only listed three or, three or four lots or sorry, actually, they listed like seven lots. I take that back. So that means there are dozens and dozens of lots that are different formulations. So they admit to it, right? So this is not a mishap. They absolutely admit to it. So the contract is to make um, a, a, a vaccine candidate. The vaccine candidate will not be released to the American people until it gets FDA authorization or approval independent of the military. But what's interesting is, too, so why is this a bioweapon? Because they were lice, they were the agreement is to create a vaccine, and I'll explain how the vaccine actually has to go through FDA, um, some kind of FDA process. And the vaccine is supposed to provide protection against SARS-CoV-2 and related coronaviruses. So it's supposed to supposed to, pr to provide protection against SARS-CoV-2 and the variants, and it didn't, right? That and that, if it doesn't do that, and the research wasn't bona fide, that means that it's a, a bioweapon. So what does it also say? This is what's the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. It says that um, between Pfizer and the government, all inventions conceived or first actually reduced to practice, so first manufactured. That means when you manufacture it, there's a transfer in intellectual property. Where does it go? Well, in performance of the statement of work shall be owned by Pfizer. 
This is insane. And what this says is that the government's IP now belongs to Pfizer. And Pfizer, so just so people know, um, the NIH was suing, I think the government's afraid of Pfizer. The NIH was suing Moderna for its intellectual property, even though Moderna and the NIH had a very good relationship. And then Moderna turns around and sues Pfizer. And now Pfizer's countersuing Moderna and the government. Pfizer is acting like an organized criminal. I mean, it's very, so we need to go after Pfizer. We need to say uh, enough is enough. So this is the other weird thing. The government acknowledged that the Bay Dole Act does not apply um, to or govern this agreement. That is the most bizarre thing ever. This is not ever in any government contracts. And I, I've seen government contracts before for creative agencies, but um, what what is the, the, the Bay Dole Act? It means that, um, that the government, um, what does it say here? I just wanna get the very specific, that any, invention of the contractor conceived or first actually reduced to practice so manufactured um, is considered the property of the government. So that's what this means is that normally the, the manufacturer when they manufacture it for the government they transfer their IP to the government and Pfizer saying no 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 you're going to transfer your IP to us. Intellectual property? Yes yeah you're, yeah thank you sorry I'm sorry acronym sorry okay. I'm one of those acronym people. So this was done under FDA um, authorization approval. Under the scope, you know, um, it says that you have to get FDA approval or authorization. It talks about using the 2017 guidance, which goes through all the FDA laws. I've read it over a hundred times. Um, and then uh, also this is the vaccine guidance for EUA or go through the standard FDA approval process. So if you read this document, um, it clearly states that the authority for an emergency use product is separate and distinct from an investment new, new drug application. What does that mean? If you read this entire document, it's very clear that you cannot have an EUA product for more than six months unless you begin the initial new drug application process. Pfizer started the initial drug application process in April of 2020. It clearly states that that is a separate process from EUA authorization, meaning, and, and if you look at the, I think it's title code 42, it says, make no mistake, the people in the clinical trials, the whole clinical trial process is not protected by EUA law. So all those people in the clinical trials do have a lawsuit. Um, so, and, and people, this, the, the inventory, although it was called a medical countermeasure or prototype, and again, I've worked in manufacturing too, so we may have product and maybe we call it inventory, right? Um, but because let's say we, we've manufactured a million pills and we put them in bottles of 30 and we're not sure if we're gonna, what bottles we're gonna call a sample and what we're gonna call product. So what, what's gonna be sample and what we're gonna you know, give away free and what's gonna be product. They're legally distinct, but it doesn't mean one doesn't exist because the other does. I hope that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So this says that they're gonna make the vaccine candidate in clinical trials, um, and, the mRNA platform with the objective of ensuring rapid worldwide access to the vaccine if it's approved. So if they never got successful authorization, which the FDA had the right to withhold, then the inventory would never have been released. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So the inventory either became authorized vaccine or approved vaccine. Um, and it says the two companies are jointly uh, conducting clinical trials and will work together to commercialize the vaccine. It says they've already made substantial progress. So I know that some people have said, well, the government's not paying for the trials, therefore they never happened. That's not true. The government states we're not paying for the trials. You're paying for them independent of this contract because we have nothing 
because the military has nothing to do with it. So it says right here that you've already successfully started phase one, two trials and that you're looking for an approval or authorization by October 31st. It says, again, you're working together to get the clinical trials done. They were, they were filed in April. And again, the government said, we're not paying for it. And, and, and that makes sense. Pfizer paid on May 8th of 2021, the Pharmaceutical Drug User Fee Act, the PDUFA fee. That was $3 million. It wasn't part of this contract. And so that's all this contract is saying. Um, and then here, yeah, it says here, it tells, this is what's also weird. So if you read the Moderna contract, the Moderna contract says all the data that's going to the FDA has to go through BARDA, and BARDA is micromanaging the whole process. This one says, Pfizer, you're the independent review board. So Pfizer will meet the necessary FDA requirements for conducting ongoing and planned clinical trials and will collaborate with the partner. And Pfizer will seek FDA approval or authorization. Uh, given that the trials are regulated by the FDA and Health and Human Services, there's no need for separate, for, um, separate U.S. regulation from U.S. Army medical research. And, and that's, that is kind of normal. They shouldn't do that. But in the Moderna one, they say BARDA is going to be micromanaging this. And this one, they're saying we don't have anything to do with it. And, and, and then it doesn't really matter that they say BioNTech is the application holder and the sponsor because then they describe Pfizer as the application holder and sponsor. So this is what's also strange. So they forgo um, the, the Bayer-Dole Act. And what that means is that the government doesn't own the manufacturing. It also means the manufacturing doesn't have to be done in the United States. But in the contract, Pfizer says, we are going to adhere to good manufacturing procedures, 21 CFR and 211. Why is this important? And they actually, if you go through the whole contract, there's three pages where they go through each step. Um, here, they kind, of, they kind of talk about it. The reason why that's important, Anna, is because this wasn't a mistake. Pfizer, they act, I, I wish I pulled this, the, the parts of the contract. Five, there's seven steps, including they do quality control steps. So at these manufacturing plants, there's, there's labs that are supposed to pull vials from the lots to actually test quality control. Sometimes they even test them on animals. They actually have mice at the labs to test them. So this Pfizer's like, we're going to do good manufacturing processes. Um, yeah, again, under, you know, and it'll be released under FDA authorization, but, um, What's weird is it didn't have to be done in the United States. And what's also weird is they told the military, you have no business going into our facilities. And that's very strange because in all the other contracts they do. Um, so again, they just say they're going to do st stability development studies, formulation studies. Uh, again, there's, there's, there's like three pages on all the manufacturing QC tests that they're going to do. Uh, um, and they're in charge of the negative 80 degree Celsius shipping, and they're in charge of the product until it, it you know, in, until it gets to where it was being shipped to per this, per this contract or, you know, handed off to the military to ship it. Um, so why is this important? So what does it mean to not be done under bona fide research? It means that you did not follow the Food and Drug Consumer Protection Act laws. So on October 22nd, Pfizer and industry met with the FDA and they listed out, we've seen this slide a million times, two dozen things that they know that this bioweapon is going to do, you know, narcolepsy, stroke, heart attack, sudden death, blood clotting, um, pregnancy outcomes, multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children, et cetera. And that's in violation of the FDA law 312B1I. Why is that important? Because during a phase one trial, if the sponsor or the independent review board, so in the in the military contract, Pfizer's the independent review board. So they're supposed to act on behalf of BioNTech to say this isn't safe. Like they're supposed to say we're not supposed to move forward. So because they met on October 22nd, right? And then they submitted their FDA data on November 20th for EUA authorization. 
Well, under this law, human subjects uh, who would be exposed to an unreasonable uh, amount of risk of illness or injury, the trial was supposed to be stopped. Pfizer was supposed to do that under that law. So again, the clinical trials that happen are different laws than the EUA. So they could have, they, they could, they could, they could have done the emergency use authorization, honestly, just looking at a few animal studies and saying, we think this is safe and they could have gotten away with it for six months. But once they start the initial new trials, those were subject to the law. So again, how is this not, how is this a bioweapon? This is the strangest thing I've ever seen. There's so much evidence in the F, it almost looks like the FDA is like handing a note saying Pfizer's bullying us because in their approval, this is from August 23rd, 21, it states missing information, vaccine effectiveness. So that means it can't prevent infection or disease, but they know it causes myocarditis, pericarditis, vaccine associated enhanced disease and respiratory disease. Wow. So, yeah, but this is, it doesn't, this is the, the, this is so bad and so evil. People don't understand Pfizer, per the military contract, this is what makes it worse. Pfizer say, we're not the manufacturer. We're not the uh, marketer. We are the independent review board. We are the ethical standard for this. That's why they're in so much trouble. So they said, we'll be the ethical standard. And they overrode the FDA. And, the, and I want to show you some ways that they did. So here's another thing they wrote. Um, they asked them in the, in the submission, how does your product work to protect against disease? Pfizer said, the mechanism to confer protection against SARS-CoV-2 is unknown. They're like, we don't know. Are, are you kidding me? I mean, are you? And then they go, so then they start saying test for antibodies. They're, you know, that's why they, but you can't test for antibodies. I mean, that's a lie. They're like, we don't even know. So this, I want to show, so, you know, if someone is like in a, I hate to use this analogy, but I don't know what else. Like a woman's like in a, an abusive relationship. It's like, you know, she hands a note saying, you know, my, my partner isn't beating me. That's what this says right here. So this says that there were 100 children ages 12 to 15 in the adult study, 16 and older, adolescents 12 to 15. The sponsor did not request inclusion of this age group in the emergency use authorization because the available data were insufficient to support a favorable benefit risk determination at this time. That means the data was damning for the children. Therefore, the reactogenicity data for participants 12 to 15 of age are not presented in the document. The FDA was literally saying, this is very dangerous for children. We can't tell you though, because Pfizer just told us not to. Wow. That, Anna, that's what this, this do, do you see the words right in front of you? I just, I literally, this is a screenshot. The sponsor did not request inclusion. There's not a, benef a favorable benefit risk determination. Reactogenicity data. What is the reactogenicity data? It's that slide I showed you with the two dozen serious adverse events, including death. That's what that is. Wow. Yeah. So I think Pfizer's acting like the mafia. Yeah, this is not, so we need, we need to call it a bioweapon. And I, I mean, it's really crazy. So this is the law I just showed you, 18 USC 175. Any biological agent that does not, other than prophylactic, which means preventing infection or disease, doesn't provide prophylactic um, or protective, wasn't done on a bona fide research. Clearly they weren't, they were harassing the FDA or other peaceful purpose. That's a bioweapon, so that's it. Uh, and each state law has their own bioweapon laws. So um, Florida is 790.166. 
and uh, uh, without lawful authority. So no one has lawful authority to unleash a bioweapon on civilian population, so don't worry about that. They, Pfizer did not have the legal authority to do that. No one does, it violates every law. Um, so to, this is the, to, to manufacture, possess, sell, deliver, send, mail, display, use, threaten to use, attempt to use, or conspire to use, or who makes readily accessible to others a, a weapon of mass destruction. Uh, and there's also even two, there's like two, if you, a hoax. So if this thing was a PSYOP, you're not, it doesn't matter. There's no law that protects them from uh, unleashing the bioweapon. And this is a second degree murder. And so um, this violates again, the, um, every oath that everyone in our military has taken. And I, I don't believe our military knows what's going on. A handful do, but most of them obviously don't. That's why they got injected. Uh, and it says they'll defend the Constitution and the Uniform Code of Military Justice and the Uniform Code of, Uniform Code of Military Justice states we cannot knowingly and willfully unleash a bioweapon causing serious injury. This is a grave breach of that. So, um, but what I wanted to let people know is like this, it, it doesn't have to be up to the military for us to take action in your state. If you are harmed with this injection, legitimately, you can, especially healthcare providers who aren't stopping injecting you. Um, I'm going to be working in Florida to actually issue arrest warrants with sheriffs for the people at Pfizer. So you can legitimately say they unleashed a bioweapon in my community. These are the people that are injured. Like I mean, they're harmed, and 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 we want these people arrested, and they need to be held for second degree manslaughter. That's that's what that's what needs to happen. It's not complicated. It's just that we have been so brainwashed and so much chaos. You know, that people are calling, again, they're calling a bullet a cupcake. And so when you're, talking, when you're talking about bullets as if they're cupcakes, everyone's confused. But, you know, if you lost a child or a loved one or they're injured or disabled because of a bioweapon, there's no gray area. You don't need validation from a doctor to say that this person was injured by a bioweapon. You just need to say, my this loved one is gone or they're now disabled. And by definition, this is a bioweapon. I want these people arrested. And so I am working on a more concise formula for that. But I thought that would be helpful. Was that helpful for? Yes, that was helpful. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the other thing is I was just uh, I just found this um, document that talked about nanotechnology as weapons of mass destruction, particularly self-assembly nanotechnology uh, that's being unleashed on a population. So, you know, there's there's many different areas uh, in which, you know, this can be looked at because nobody was told that they were going to be injected with nanotechnology or self-assembling structures or hydrogel or anything like that. And I I think, uh, you know, that's that's also an interesting point. But um, well, in the contract for Pfizer, this is what's crazy. It says that part of the technology may be a trade secret for Pfizer and Pfizer may deny telling the U.S. government what that trade secret is, which is totally illegal to do that. So if it's the it, we know it's the nanotechnology, right? Um, that's in there. The, this the oh, I don't have the hard copy. I, I've read the contract so many times, but. It is so um, I it is so incriminating against Pfizer. I, I mean, there's it's just so incriminating against Pfizer. They, they were clearly contracted to make a vaccine that was safe and effective against SARS-CoV-2, and they invented a bioweapon. And they said it's none of your business what we do. Uh, we're in charge of the FDA clinical trials. We're we're the ethics board. We're the independent review board. Oh, and by the way. We also are going to handle the data, data, the safety data monitoring, and uh, it doesn't belong to you either. 
Wow. Yeah. It's this is amazing information. And I think, you know, you're one of the people who understand sort of the broader scope in regards to the the whole uh, agenda of transhumanism and ch- uh, transforming humans into uh, cyborgs and mm-hmm. how we are being genetically modified and then the technology that is used for that. And um uh, just, you know, over the last few weeks, I've interviewed several geoengineering experts, and I had sent you uh, some of the uh, analysis that was done in 2013. And I'm just going to pull this up just to show. Uh, in 2013, this was done by... Um, Hold on one second from the current time. This was done uh, uh, by a Carolyn Hill. She's an astrophysicist at Harvard. And um, so geoengineering, we, we know that they've been spraying uh, with um, uh, metals as well as synthetic biology, including this Morgallons uh, stuff. And what's very interesting is that the, the, the technology that is uh, Morgallons is actually self-assembling uh, carbon-based, hydrogel-based technology, synthetic biology that's using things like um, metals as well as uh, other uh, formulations. Uh, Clifford Carnicum was talking about that it's a a synthesis of three different uh, areas of biology from eukaryotes to bacteria to archaea, which are extremely uh, non-destructive. Those are the kind of life forms that lives like in hot geysers. But what's interesting about oh. uh, there's somebody who Wait, t- repeat what you just said. Okay, they, so more life forms that live in geysers. Yeah, so so usually a life form is part of one um, uh, of three categories. So one is a bacteria. That's one genetic sort of form of life. Mm-hmm. Then the eukaryotes, which are, you know, we belong to, to yeah. it. And then the archaea, which is a type of a life form that is extremely resistant to all kinds of external uh, uh, you know, stressors, they can endure extreme heat and they don't die. So the synthetic biology that Morgellons is, is a genetic conglomeration of these three life forms. It's a synthetic life form that's never been seen on planet Earth, clearly. And, and so it's a new life form, but what it, its chemical composition was, which these are these Morgellons fibers that are sprayed upon us. Some people develop this Morgellons disease where these fibers come out of their skin. But this stuff has been shown in people who don't have symptoms of Morgellons in their tissue and tissue analysis. So because we're inhaling it, it's in everybody. But specifically, it's made from carbon nanotube. Uh, uh, The other thing is that that Clifford Conicum analyzed it and he found polyvinyl alcohol, which is a hydrogel uh, uh, that's self-assembling. And then it has is here also polymer that's based uh, mixed with gold and it's an um, 
gold aluminum blend nano wire with titanium oxide and other uh, other molecules. And this stuff has things like methotrexate in them, which is a chemotherapeutic drug. And what these geoengineering people are saying is that big pharma has been involved in creating this synthetic biology that's being sprayed on all humans. So, so Anna, both, so both there's, there's chemotherapies in the patents. I have to look at them. To, uh, I know dos, dosex, I can't pronounce dosex, I can't say it. Yes. The one with the D, me, me, um, I can't, methotrexate, I can't, I don't know why my tongue's on Methotrexate, yes. Methotrexate is in there too. And then what's interesting is when, um, in the patents, but more importantly, when I read the peer-reviewed journals about when they're using pegylated lipid nanoparticles to quote unquote treat cancer cells, which is to kill them. They're all, um, they're all AU, they're all gold nanoparticles. They all have gold in them. So they're all, they're all made from, wow. So I've got to do more research. And then obviously the single wall carbon nanotubes are part of this as well. But that's interesting that these are found in, uh, it's not prehistoric life form. It's, it's like from meteors or something like that or? No, 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 no. This is from the, you know, the chemtrails. We're being sprayed oh, with airplanes and these are military operations to uh, supposedly they're telling us that this is for climate change and that they're basically dimming the sun, but they are spraying these metals, including aluminum, barium, titanium, all of the things that we've also found in the vials, exactly the same. And and then the same thing that uh, that is composing the uh, nanotechnology in the vials also has been sprayed uh, for two to three decades on people uh, it, with the same synthetic biology. And it appears that this biology really started with the nanotech revolution, you know, in the late 50s. And then, you know, in the seven, 70s, it, it kind of started booming. And then in the early 2000s. So this stuff has been developed for a long time. And I just wanted to uh, to... Uh, help people realize that the transhumanist agenda has been going on for a long time, and it uh, this part of uh, geoengineering the um, the atmosphere to where now this this graphene, these carbon nanotubes are are inhaled into people. It doesn't matter whether or not people are vaccinated or not <coughs> vaccinated. We're seeing in live blood analysis the same structures. And uh, I think that what now happened at the final stage of this transhumanist agenda is that that it was injected into th two thirds of the known world because it wasn't as effective to just keep spraying it. But basically, so it's what about you said, what you just said is actually in the Wuhan Institute of Virology DARPA pitch, where uh, Sergeant Jason Murphy says that this is an this is a he calls it a vaccine it's a nanotechnology vaccine he says SARS-CoV-2 is a nanotechnology vaccine um pre pre-viral outbreak and what he says is that the um if you inject people you are going to create a you're going to create a pandemic basically uh, they're going to get sick and then they're going to infect other people and he said but if you know because when they would and it says in the pitch, we're going to use aerosol attacks, put it in the food and put it in something that the bats drink and stuff on their skin. He said, but at least if you inhale it or it's skin contact, 
um, your body stands a chance, right, to fight against the technology from getting into your system. He said, everyone that's injected, they have no way to defend against this technology. It goes straight into their bloodstream. Um, and, and, and then they become vaccine manufacturing machines. So Jason Murphy says that, and if you go to Pfizer's website, learn about our lipid nanoparticle technology, can't make this stuff up. They said, we're gonna turn you into a drug, we're gonna tell, turn cells in your body into drug manufacturing machines. We're gonna make you start manufacturing these bioweapons in your body. So what you just said is in alignment with what Pfizer says and what, what the DARPA document said that the uh, Marine said, it's exactly the same. So Anna, I'm just, I, you know, I, I want people to know we're not, we're not crazy. Everything's adding up. What you say is what I see in the documents. It's what Pfizer has on their website. It's what the proposals to the military say. And then you see the shady mafia contract that Pfizer has. Like, it's all adding up. And we need to just, we need to stop being deceived and, tell, and, and say, this is a, this is a bioweapon. And, and not get so wrapped up in the chaos, right? focus on what we can do and 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 then obviously you know focus on i love what you're doing because you're focusing on solutions you know how we can um um help heal people from this technology and and i don't want people like quarantining is not a strategy the concept to separate us from the vaccinated um it, it's just not I don't want to say, obviously, if you're pregnant or looking to get pregnant or have a newborn, do as much as you can. You know what I mean? But the truth is, I, I wrote a substack called the, you know, um, fall myth number eight, the unvaccinated are safe. Because as you said, we're all being exposed to this, right? So we are getting exposure. And what's important is that we state that this is happening. We know it's a bioweapon. We know we have all the evidence to go after Pfizer to at least take down the giant to allow the house of cards to come down. Um, and then we, you know, we have to start somewhere to say, we know what this technology is. It's a bioweapon. We know that we're using it on us. And if we start there, then, you know, I believe more people will wake up and we can, we can stop being infected. That's my, that's my hypothesis. And I'm a strategist and I've taken Pfizer out before with like working with small companies and we've surpassed them. So I, I, I know how they work and I kind of I kind of know what the moves are, you know, and what they want us to do is not go after them, create chaos, you know, go after each other, go after 100 other companies, but don't come after us. But if we go after them and there's criminal lawsuits brought against them, their investors will know. And once their investors know, they're going to jump ship. Yeah, I think in, in regards to the shedding, in, in my clinical practice, what I've noticed is um, similar situation like with the Morgellons. There are some people who are extremely sensitive around vaccinated people uh, who are unvaccinated, yeah. and they immediately get symptoms, you know, uh, things like bleeding or blood pressure abnormality or extreme fatigue, and then others are not so much affected. It's unclear to me whether or not there is like an intrinsic uh, predisposition or maybe the amount of 
you know, toxins that are have already bioaccumulated in the body. So I have some people who have just phenomenal amount of aluminum, lead, barium, you know, cesium, uh, even uranium now is being sprayed. And these things are bioaccumulative. They cause oxidative stress. So I think it's it's pretty individual. This is one of the reasons why uh, I'm not able to give a cookie cutter, um, you know, vax injury protocol or long COVID protocol because people, uh, they act very differently and different people are affected in different ways. That's been my, my experience. Well, I, I know. I, so when I said the quarantine strategy, I guess let me rephrase it because I don't want it to be taken out of context. What I, I'm saying is there shouldn't be a national strategy where we're going to put vaccinated people in camps or separate from them. Obviously, you're, I mean, I know some people like obviously young, I mean, a lot of young girls I know that are going, you know, um, through, you know, their puberty development and just get, they're highly sensitive to be around vaccinated people. And it may be a, a good choice uh, if, if you're a divorced family to, to just be like, you know, look, um, if, if the other former spouse was vaccinated and is sick, you know, it's something to say, um, this, the vaccine didn't do this and this. It is a bioweapon. Our, our child is getting sick around you. And I really want you to get EDTA treatments and chelation treatments to reduce this toxicity. You know, and I think that's a worthy conversation to have with your family, a very worthy conversation to have, to say, you know, we're concerned about her health. We want to limit her exposure uh, until we figure out a way to get you more healthy. Um, so, so when I, when I say, I don't believe in, um, that quarantine strategies, I mean, I don't believe we should say, oh, the vaccinated messed up. They belong in a camp. I don't, I have, there's too, first, there's too many people vaccinated. I mean, there's just, it's a bad strategy. It's not like, it's not like there were only 10,000 people vaccinated. You know what I'm saying? That this was a, this was not, that's not what happened. And so we, we don't want to do that, but. I agree with you that, you know, people know that they're getting sick around people that are injected and vaccinated, um, that quarantining themselves from them is, is important. And actually even more important is have that tough conversation with them, you know, especially if there's someone that you care about and that you love, you know, just say, I love you. And I know you're vaccinated. I've gotten sick and I have to have this conversation with you because I care about you, you know? Yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. And, and and then send them to your sub stack so they know how to get treated. <laughs> I, I wanted you to explain one more time, you know, a lot of people uh, talk about the spike protein and this is the main narrative of the medical resistance, uh, you know, that's kind of not really discussing the, uh, the, the technology or even the metals. And um, I think that <clears throat> your point to explain the spike protein as uh, as uh, a magnetic hydrogel based uh, uh, bioweapon, yeah, bioweapon. Uh, a lot of people don't really understand that, and uh, I I was wondering if you could take us through that again because. <clears throat> the other thing is, so hydrogel is, is self-assembling. It clearly is frequency responsive. I'm very concerned that it's also responsive to UV light, low electrical yeah. uh, fields. And uh, there are a number of researchers. Uh, so Clifford Conicum did uh, some research on the Morgellons fibers, but then it was replicated in the Pfizer vials by La Quinta Columna. Mm-hmm. And, and it looked exactly the same, a sudden growth of these long fibers. 
um, there's if this acts just like more gallons, these things are replicating and they might actually have sort of a a, a reproductive cycle uh, to these organisms. So these are these are synthetic biologies, but they mm. are alive and conscious. And they uh, the other thing that happens is they continue to grow outside of the body in a petri dish or in a in a mason jar. This stuff grows huge, and uh, so that's. Uh, that's concerning. I just wanted to see, can you walk us through that? And then also, how are they using the metals and the fact that the metals are not just debris, but they're intentionally in there and they've been discussed in the patents? Yeah, we'll, we'll go, go through it. Those are great, great points. And you, you, you did talk about how it grows in the body and then it continues to grow outside the body. So that's why I say it's parasitic in nature. It's actually a new, I mean, I, it's a new species. It's part biology, part technology. You know, truly the original inventors of this outside of the government is a company called Life Technologies. Life Technologies is now owned by Thermo Fisher. What is Life Technology? It's taking technology and giving it life. I mean, that's what they did. And I can tell you, so I, so th- I live five miles from Thermo Fisher. They were a client of mine for four years. When Thermo Fisher bought Life Technologies, everyone's like, of course, they're going to use the Life Technology name. They, they didn't want, they didn't use the Life Technology name. They wanted no one to mention it. It was very, it was very strange to the point that the CEO, if he saw a life technology coffee mug in the office, and like, I mean, I, I, my friends work, my friends are SVPs, they're my former friends, whatever. So I, I've had some falling out since I've been this crazy. The, he would come up and, and could have coffee in it and he would just smash it on the ground. He, that, he's like, that name is dead and gone. And I think it might have to do with one of these patents we're going to look at too. Isn't that interesting? Wow, very um, interesting. Yeah. And that makes that makes a lot of sense. Give technology life. Wow. Yeah. Life technology. And what is biotech? It's bio and technology. But life technologies give technology life. Yeah. So so here, these are images of what you might say, um, okay, well, this is all the spike protein. Well, well, these are, the spike protein is the artificial intelligence biosynthetic bioweapon. This is an image of a cell that was infected with magnetic hydrogel. This is what it looks like. This is, uh, I think you'd say it's 50, I think it's 50 or 100 nanometers. It lo- looks like the spike protein. And then we're gonna go through this study as well. This is an image of a, a magnetic polyethylene glycol uh, lipid nanoparticle. See? Wow. Yeah, PLGA MPEG. Uh, what does it look like? It's the spike protein. The spike protein is the bioweapon. This is the nanotechnology. This is what was aerosolized to cause COVID. It's not a virus, it's a nanotech. And they can make this nanotech that doesn't have programs in it to produce a virus or really anything in your body. And the nanotech alone can cause um, a pandemic of strokes. That's what James Giordano causes it. So this stuff is so inflammatory. I mean, it causes blood clotting number one. And if it's inhaled in a mice study, the inflammation to the heart, lungs, and the heart and lungs is so terrible that 80% of the mice died in 24 hours. I believe that's why they have the chemotherapies in there because the adaptive immune response is so inflammatory that they need to put some chemo in there so that most people's bodies don't overreact. Again, I'm not a doctor, but that's just one of my hypotheses. So I don't know. I don't know anything about that. But anyway, so these are, again, um, yeah, because I, I mean, the, it's so it's so inflammatory. I don't know what they would do. So here, the this is uh, an image of the spike protein from the Economist. This is an image of vaccine lipid nanotechnology from a peer-reviewed journal, and this is basically a military nano weapon from another peer-reviewed journal where they're talking about they're they're all this is 
This is the image of what the economist was saying is a biological protein. This, this looks like, it, you can see, it doesn't look like a, a biological. Again, this is from the economist. I just, I think pictures tell a thousand words. So why is this so important? Is that, first of all, RNA viruses, single helix viruses, they, they've never been able to infect humans. So even though Ralph Barrick made a couple hundred or thousand you know, coronaviruses in a lab, you know, and he used this technology to infect a cell and maybe produce a virus, that virus could never infect anything outside its own cell. So that's not my opinion. This is the head of Sanofi's um, vaccine and mRNA. And he said, people used to say, if you look at it, mRNA virus is wrong, it would fall apart. Um, this is from Chemical and Engineering News. This is uh, one of the heads from, I think, um, Moderna. Yeah, he says the devil is absolutely in the details as far as lipid nanoparticles are concerned. The headline from Chemical. I just want to. Can I just pause you real quick because yeah. there's a lot of people who are having very interesting spiritual experiences of seeing demonic creatures after being injected, and to see such a statement by people who are, um, you know, in the know to say the devil is absolutely in the in in the details. It almost, you know, is like. Um, uh, you know, Elon Musk saying uh, summoning AI is like summoning the demon. There's just something about this, the fact that, you know, some of these transhumanists, they have a satanic agenda. And it's just very, I, I take it very seriously when I see words like this. So when I found the master patent and I understood what I was reading, specifically the ingredients for luciferase, triple helix DNA, the sequence for HeLa, the most aggressive form of cancer known to, to man, combined with um, serum response factor for accelerated growth, and the triple helix DNA. The this I just said this is demonically inspired, and I got on my knees, and I didn't cry. I wailed out to God. Wow. Yeah. And the first person I wrote was my pastor saying, please help me get this information out. This is something we need to stop, you know, and yeah. So this is pureable, absolutely. And here's, again, the point of this is, this is what does the devil do? Before he can destroy, he must deceive. He was a liar and murderer from the beginning. Why do you not believe me? Because you're not of my father, you're of your father, you are a liar. These people lie for sport. Whenever they're speaking, they are lying. And, and Anna, we have to be care, careful of people who are creating chaos and telling us that we are powerless. That is, that is, again, that's the devil's plan, you know, and we have been deceived up until this point. My, my hope, my prayer, and I think it's happening. I think we're waking up. I do. So, but why is this so important? It's because there never was a virus that could infect people. So we were told the SARS-CoV-2 virus was infectious. Well, if that's true, then this wouldn't be the headline from Chemical and Engineering News. Fragile mRNA molecules, including the SARS-CoV-2 virus, used in COVID-19 vaccines can't get into cells on their own. They own their success to lipid nanoparticles that took decades to refine, right? So what we took a virus that couldn't infect you, put it into an advanced technology or the sequence of the virus, because that's what we're really talking about, so that you could get infected. And so we, we can't, and also it's from a bat. 
Okay, that was a whole, it it came from a bat. We don't have receptors for a bat. So if someone gets a bat infection because they ate a bat or what, I don't know what they're doing with the bats. I don't know what they're doing. Like, no, seriously, Anne, I don't know what they're doing with the bats. But the whole concept that now I can sneeze and infect you with my, because I ate bat soup, that's that's (laughs) insane. That is insane. And and then think about, no, I just want to say, think about this. We were told it's a highly deadly virus. It's new because it came from a bat and the bat jumped to the humans and it produces a spike protein. And, and that's why we have to shut down the country. So what we did is we made a vaccine where we created the sequence from the genetic sequence from the bat, from the bat virus. We're going to inject it in the body so that you can produce the virus. Everyone's like, yay. And I was like, what are you nuts? Like, why would you inject? Sorry. Why would you? You too nice. We were told it's from a bat. We, Anyway, I'm done. I'm done with my rant. So I'm not, it's not just my opinion. This is from, I believe this is from the Salk Institute too. There is a a billion dollar, a billion dollar, uh, $4 billion uh, protection layer that God made in all of his life forms to stop uh, these viruses like crossing into other species. And it's called the lipid bilayer. So the 4 billion year old lipid bilayer protects cells from invading RNAs. So it could never get into your cell. Wow. Without this technology, yes. So God protected us from this, from being infected. He doesn't, you know, if you read the book of Leviticus, you're not even supposed to put the same seeds in the same soil. He does not like when you mix up genetic material. And that's why he made this lipid bilayer. And what does the devil do? He's like, I'm going to make a technology to go through it and tell people if they don't take it, you know, whatever. Oh, this is my, so I was really angry that none of our experts, I'm sorry, we're telling us about how the mRNA gets into the cells because it has to host an electromagnetic field. And we're like, oh, it's just in a lipid like cholesterol and yada, 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 and then it pe- penetrates the cell wall. No, no, that's not, that's, it's not that simple. <laughs> you, you have to host an electromagnetic field in order. So, so the way mRNA gene editing always worked was they used something called a- a- agarose gel, if I'm pronouncing that right. And now they have the hydrogel, right? So the agarose gel would, would create electrocorporation. So that's electromagnetic field in, in the body of the animal. And so then that would allow for the, the, the DNA to open up so that you could go in and, and silence and cut and paste and copy. So our experts were telling us, oh, it's just like little nano scissors. No, they're not little scissors. It's, it's an electromagnetic field. So I just, I just want people to know that. So... I think that's an important point. And then the other thing here, this is Ralph Barrick's publication from 2015. He had a whole library of viruses that he created, uh, sequences, so they're not viruses, they're just, by the way, this is the other thing, why they probably can't get hung up on charging Barrick or Fauci with, invent, with gain of function research is because actually machine learning, AI created all these sequences. It's all done by artificial intelligence. And if oh, you go I- to trace bioscience, you, you would actually, it would, I, we will have time later, I'll go there. It's, it's not fun, but it's kind of fun. You can order uh, your genetic mutation to create a new species or a virus, or whatever you want, like ordering a Domino's pizza. I'm not kidding. And then it's like less than a hundred bucks to check it out and then and get your sequence, your sample. Wow. So, so, so again, so us suing Fauci or going after Barrick may be futile because they could say this was done by AI and AI uh, two years ago tried to claim that they could own intellectual property uh, you know, through the trade, through, uh, I don't know, the USPTO office. So that's pretty interesting. So anyway, this is him saying that um, we created a bunch of Wuhan Institute of Virology bat-like coronaviruses. 
um, there's limited transmission in human po population because as soon as it goes into the body, it, it weaks. It gets weakened, so we have to do additional adaptation. And this talks about combining it with the lipid nanoparticle technology. What was the pitch to DARPA? What was the NIH funding? Um, it, it wasn't to create new sequences. They already had 200 sequences that they wanted to use under seven major categories. Um, one of them was the Wuhan Institute of Biology. One was actually a pig version that caused diarrhea. And what they're saying is we're going to create spike proteins from the virus. So we're going to take, we're going to use the lipid nanoparticles to infect cells. And then from that weaponize what's produced, the spike proteins that are produced uh, and incorporate them into nanoparticles. So this is, this is actually programming how to create this biological synthetic nanoparticles. It's not this, this was never about just creating the sequences that was done by artificial intelligence. This is what you wanted to see and I'm glad I have it in here. The delivery methods for these vaccines, which are the lipid nanoparticles, which are those spike proteins that I showed you, are your skin, transdermal, edible gels, um, and aerosol, aerosolization. So, and then this is important. This is uh, Dr. Catherine Whitehead from Carnegie Mellon, um, and she talks about mRNA technology. She's like, you know, she's very frustrated. She said, um, she's a nanoparticle scientist. She says, we don't even screen in vitro anymore. So that's doing this, like doing work outside the cell and then trying to get, and then, and you know, so creating like a spike protein or a virus outside the cell, as you know, and then infusing it into the body, into, a man, uh, into an animal. She says, I find it more informative to test directly in an animal. So she wants to do the experimentation inside the cells, inside the animal. You can have 50 different ionizable lipids. So again, a natural lipid doesn't carry an electronic charge. So these are bioelectric, biosynthetic nanotechnologies. You can have 50 different ionizable lipids that all deliver effective cells to culture and 49 of them won't work a damn in vivo. Um, so she just wants to do it inside the body. And you said that the pegylated lipids contain graphene oxide? Yeah, let's get to that. So here's some more pictures. Again, this is just what I took from the, these are a bunch of cells that are infected with the nanotechnology. I don't have the title on here. Oh, I do have the title up here. Just so people know that this is, it's from, this is the title, uh, acidic pH responsive nanogels of smart cargo systems. Um, so these are some more images. This is James Giordano saying we can create uh, weapons of mass destruction and that's totally illegal under chemical and biological warfare unless there's exemptions for health and routine experimentation where there's a gray zone. So they, th they thought there was a gray zone. No, there's no gray zone. They just thought we were, we were dumb. And what's wanted... very important, I uh, just want to mention in this other document about the nanotechnology, they were talking about that when you're sprayed with this and you're inhaling it, it goes through the olfactory nerve into the brain. So it, one of its side effects is the change in the ch sense of smell. And it doesn't even have to get into your blood, but it can get into your brain and cause damage there uh, very specifically. And what's very interesting is, you know, I told thought that initially in the pandemic that there was a virus maybe and then you know there was a spike protein some form of a weapon something like that and then all I saw in lab blood analysis even right after people had COVID were these structures that looked just like these hydrogel things with a lot of rouleau formation that they were creating and so now I'm totally like you know this is this is this synthetic bio
biology, hydrogel, you know, nanotech stuff, and out of which, out of those ribbons grow, as uh, Dr. David Nixon showed, these microchips. Um, what I'm also concerned about is Komosov, which is a, um, a Mexican uh, group of physicians uh, that Andreas Kalker also worked with. They did uh, these um, experiments with MAC addresses, and they looked at vaccinated people, and they were amending the MAC address. But then they also checked unvaccinated people, and some of them were emitting the MAC address, and those were people who had the PCR swab shoved up their nose. And we know that the nanotechnology is also in the swab. It was in the MAC. Masks. Yep. So it, it was just, it's, yep. it's everywhere. And the other thing, just to mention, you always talk about quantum dot technology, particularly in the shots. So the Morgellon stuff also is quantum dot technology combined with yeah. hydrogel. So there's another parallel there in terms of, uh, you know, uh, what's been done to people for a long time in terms of geoengineering and changing people, uh, bioengineering a different human species. That's exactly what they want to do. And that you brought up a good point, too, about the loss of smell. Um, because that is a neurological um, disorder. That's a neurological symptom. And James Giordano specifically works on neuroweapons. He started working with Obama in 2008. He started the brain initiative. So, and then hopefully you have time to get to the patent. These patents are designed, these patents, the lipid nanoparticles, some of them are designed to cross the blood brain barrier in less than uh, 30 minutes when they're shot in your arms through an IV. But yeah, the inhalation, the whole idea is to rewire your central nervous system. And now, well, last time I went to the CDC, I've got to check again, but like the number one uh, side effects that are being reported now from the from uh, long COVID uh, and the vaccines are all neurological. So it's it's shifting, you know, as far as that's that's concerned that and, and those neurological are brain fog, fatigue, loss of taste, loss of smell, uh, inability to exercise, things like that. So let me let me share. Or can you guys see my screen right now or no? I'm going to share screen, right? Yes, please share your screen. Okay. So let's let's hop into the the patent. Um, so this is one of the there's ten master patents on Moderna's website. This is the one of them for the master lipid nanoparticles, the mRNA. Uh, so it says uh, modified uh, nucleotides for production of secreted proteins. So this is the master patent for the lipid nanoparticle that produces the spike proteins, and it's on Moderna's website. Uh, and Moderna is now suing Pfizer for their royalties. Good luck with the devil honoring his word, Moderna. Stupid people. Sorry. <laughs> stupid, stupid people. Fools. So what is it? It's a particular size, 80 nanometers to 160 nanometers. Happens to be the same size as the spike protein, by the way. Uh, includes a cationic lipid, so host and electronic field, a neutral lipid, a cholesterol. I don't believe that's a cholesterol. And a polyethylene glycol lipid. Um, and that's, so that, that's it. So as you go through the sections, it says it's Polymer-based, what you just said, self-assembled nanoparticles, fully programmable, right? That's what these are. It contains gels and hydrogels, right? Uh, and it can be encapsulated into any hydrogel. This is in their patent. This is on their website. They are not covering this up at all. And it just explains that they're highly absorbent, right? They're not, I mean, they're, they're adsorbent. They actually merge with your cells uh, and your tissues and your organs and your body at the cellular level, even at a subcellular level, I would say. Um, and then they go, and they're also very similar to natural tissue. So once they merge and hijack a cell, they can actually create a hybrid cell that then creates new cells and new cellular structures that are part biology and part hydrogel. And we're going to get to that. 
Oh, we're gonna get to it right away. This is good. So this, this is another study. And again, I just wanna show you, these are the images of the pegylated lipid nanoparticles. They are the spike protein. They are the bioweapon. Um, and the title of that article is Multifunctional Magnetic Hydrogel Design Strategies and Applications. So, I mean, I hope I'm not going too fast, but you guys are seeing this is all in the patents, all adding up. Um, they're intelligent, as you said, uh, Anna. They can perceive small physical chemical stimuli. That's why the EDTA works. That's also why ivermectin works, because they are part biology. There is a lot of parasitic product in them, um, that genetic material. They make significant responses to behaviors, and because of this intelligence, hydrogel has um, applications in tissue engineering, drug controlled release, and soft actuators. Soft actuators, um, actuators are like a military term. They're, they're, they're communication networks, they're electronic communication networks. But these soft actuators are, are structures. So those things that we saw and died suddenly, those are soft actuators. So they, they're biological structures that are that can communicate that, and they also continue to grow outside the body. And, and what is, uh, I'm sorry, real quick. Um, what's really uh, interesting is in terms of creating an artificial brain, I've talked about this, these hydrogels are able to mimic the growth of neurons of glial cells and they can self program and then proliferate and they can self learn as well. So literally this is a, an artificial intelligence brain within the body and was very interesting uh, just to interject here Elana Freeland she talked about that you know this geoengineering of our world with all these chemicals and synthetic biology that literally the the end goal is that natural humans will not be able to live in the natural in this synthetic environment only those whose nervous systems have been replaced by hydrogel graphene that's correct. That, and I don't have that patent today. That's correct. Well, I'll have to come back and talk to you again. I just so you, but listen to the rest of this. So th these, this is what's in the injections. This is what's being sprayed on us. Um, magnetic field has the advantages of instant action, contactless control, and easy integration into electronic devices. Yep. It, it's all about the app. And that's why magnetic hydrogels have been active. So again, what is a soft actuator? Th this is what this is what they are. Um, they're reconfigurable. They're adaptive. They're agile. They're they're considered uh, devices. Um, they have physical intelligence, like you were saying too. So these we're, these literally are new species that they're we are we are the host of the new species. That's what the intention is. And this is what a, these are what the soft actuators are. They're, they're human organs and structures. So it uses the intelligence. I, I have the patent on how it uses the intelligence. So this is this patent. So within the master patent that I just showed you, there is a patent for life technologies method for preparing surface modifying semiconductive me metallic me nanoparticles. This is a trade secret. I don't know how they made it a trade secret. They took it offline, but I had a copy of it when I found it almost two years ago and I kept it. So. This is the life technology patent that's part of that master LMP patent. Here, I just showed you, I went to go pull it from my URL. They took it offline, but I do have a copy of it. And you can go to KarenKingston.com. Uh, why are there Q dots in the vaccines or something like that? It's something about Q dots, you'll see it. I, I recommend looking into it if this is of interest to you. And you can download a free copy of it from my website. So when you go through this patent, it says they're semiconductive nanocrystals. Nanocrystals are quantum dots, they're Q dots. 
and it's based on the bore radius. So there is some level of the observer effect. So I love what you do, Anna. There is, it is about, I mean, we're, we're getting to Schrodinger's cat, right? But you know, what your intentions are, what you're focused on is what is going to, to manifest. So there's something about this technology that is not just science and technology based as we know science and technology. It's very strange. Um, but it does say, so here, it says right here that these are Q-dot nanocrystals. Now, I don't have these slides in here, but if you go to Thermo Fisher, they have an entire Q-dot portfolio, an entire Q-dot, including Q-dot nanoprobes uh, that are used for genetic reading, ge uh, genetic editing, Q-dot uh, Raman serres for genetic editing. Uh, you know, they have a Q-dot CRISPR-Cas9. I mean, it's very strange. So I did pull one. So if you go to, this is Q-dot label conjugate. So the other thing they have is a Q-dot labeling so that Every cell will have a Q dot in it and actually be specifically labeled, as you're saying, with a MAC address. Uh, and then they can actually work together to create a tissue or organ, and that would create its own new MAC address. Or one animal could have its own MAC address. Um, so this is this is owned and made by Thermo Fisher. And by the way, if you take a look, if you go and do a deep dive into the FDA website, the final fill and finish for all the vaccines, all of them, are done by Patheon. Patheon is the manufacturing company for Thermo Fisher. But I don't have, you know. So again, they just talk about that this is ionizable because Q dot hosts the electromagnetic field. Um, this is sorry, this is graphene. So and the graphene is using those are graphene quantum dots. This just shows you that obviously Thermo Fisher is involved. They they announced in February of last year uh, their partnership with Moderna to do manufacturing. But that can I just ask you real quick? You said something about the graphene. Just because there's so many doctors who are saying there is no graphene, even though worldwide teams have shown it. Can you show us? where you have it, uh, uh, that the graphene is in there? I don't know if it's in this presentation right now. I'm so sorry. Okay, it's, no problem. In the, it's, so underneath that master patent, there's a patent for single-walled carbon nanotubes, and those are made of graphene oxide, and it's part of that overall master patent. And I just didn't, I just don't have it, but I, you know, just want to- Thank so, you, yes. I'm sorry. So with the Q dot, oh, that's what I was going to show. Does it show Q dot? Um, Underneath that patent, yeah, so underneath that patent, it talks about the quantum dots are also, and I didn't know what a dendromer was. It's not a, it's not a human thing. Uh, it says that it can be used as dendromers, modified dendromers, and the like. So I looked up what a dendromer was, um, and they penetrate biological barriers and cell membranes, um, and they're alive and programmable, and they adsorb to cells basically and kill them. So let's go through this. And they can use, they say drug delivery, but I don't think, and gene delivery, right? And the gene delivery is the computer program. Um, they're used in biomedicine, um, and, but, um, uh, and they're, they're not as toxic, I guess, as some other products. So this is what it looks like. In a lot of the patents, you'll see these images and you'll see these images also in pegylated lipid nanoparticle peer-reviewed studies. And so the cationic lipid, I guess that is the cationic dendromer, because again, this it's an intelligent electronic, it's a it's an AI biosynthetic, this is what it looks like. Um I don't know, do species. Um and it's able to to it, it, this has related to the quantum dot, right? So it's able to change its electronic charge from zero from positive to negative, and then within the quantum field, again. I, I, I'm not, I'm, it's, it's beyond me, but I, this, this definitely has something to do with the quantum mechanics of this technology. Um, anyway, so it talks about how it can absorb to cells. And here the cationic, anionic, 
lipidic. So this is, I mean, I think we're looking at the devil himself when we're looking at this dendrimer part of the technology. Um, what, what they talk about, I thought I had highlighted it here, is it explains that it actually adhere, adsorbs to a cell and um, kills the cell through the apoptosis process and creates a new cell. And I'm wow. just seeing if that's here. I think it's here. So yeah, they interact with biological membranes leading to significant disruption and cell death. So when Albert Burler says, whoops, it just passes through the cell, it, it, it does that, but it, it kills it. And um, so here it's, it kills the red blood cells. Um, so that's why we're seeing the Rolo. But there's something in here, cell destruction, increased membrane growth, intracellular calcium of hippocampal neurons interfering with synapse. Uh, wow, synapse. Platelet activity interference and blood clot formation was triggered by den by cationic dendrimers. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's, oh, no, that's what it that, that's what it does. But I wanted to find the part where it says it explains. Not all the cells die. And this is one of the patents I haven't got a chance to. I'm sorry, I guess it's not in here. It does kill it does kill the cells, but it creates a new hybrid cell. Um, here it is. Platelet activity interference and blood formation triggered by high generation panel reporting triazium damage of higher generation activity. I'm sorry, I don't have it in here. Um, it was observed in macrophage exposure, high concentrations can lead to cell destruction. Um, Oh, maybe it's right here. Surface strong toxicity, electric charge, cationic, uncharged polarity, da 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 da, da membrane polar group toxicity, branches, da, da da You know what? I must be in another patent that I looked at that I found it. And maybe it was in this, maybe it's in here. But it's interesting. So that's one of the technologies that that's that's in here. So I just this is a very advanced technology. Um this talks about how they're the they're graphing quantum dots, they host the electronic uh, fields, but this isn't in the patent. I know what you want me to, to pull for you. Um This is the information I pulled on a quantum dot. So again, I just wanted to show you, and this is related to that, that um, the patent. So they're all along this, the spectrum of uh, frequencies. So it's not just one frequency that they operate on. Um, and that's in the patent too. So everything from like um, radiation, you know, like um, nuclear radiation to microwave radiation um, to uh, frequencies that that are are not toxic to humans you know so so it's the whole frequency and this this study this is a from a book from 2011 and what they were doing was they were tagging um the lipid nanoparticles with the quantum dot to target specific organs in the mice the heart the liver the spleen the lung the kidney and the brain where do we find spike protein anna in those areas i mean yeah this is from 2011 yep Wow. Yeah. Um, so this just talks about um, that they give off the light. So that's the other thing. When these doctors are seeing that these quantum dots that they're seeing in autopsies are biological, they're emitting light. I don't know why they're even saying that. The first person that was um, autopsy that I saw, like they, they found it in the kidney, lungs, heart, and, da -da, and they could see it. You can't see a virus. That doesn't make any sense. You can't see a virus. Why all of a sudden are we thinking we can see a virus? Um, so this is this is part of the quantum dot um, um, patent as well. So this is what I was saying. 
the external it, it actually re, can respond to um, external sources of energy, chemical, thermal, electrical, magnetic, and it can also respond to low energy microwave uh, radiation and high energy microwave radiation. So people are literally they have radioactive material in them. So not so, so this is this is literally a CBRN complete bioweapon. That means it's chemical, biological, radioactive, and nuclear. There's gallium in some of these, I believe, and um, uranium. So this is the part where I said this gets really strange. So the QDOT patent says that it includes Raman Ceres. So th this is what's used in gene editing technology in CRISPR-Cas9. Uh, it uses silver, gold, copper, lithium, aluminum, platinum, palladium, or the like. Everything that you're saying that you're finding and it's encased in the shell. This is the Q dot patent that we're going through. Um, it says that it uses fluorescent in situ hybridization. So this is beyond me, but this is nanoprobes that actually can go in and are programmed to tag every cell in the body. So nanocrystal tags use visualization. Read the, 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 the genetic code of that cell and then come up with a new genetic sequence to then silence part of the genetic code and then replace it and create a new cell. Wow, it's total takeover of uh, artificial intelligence, synthetic biology of the human. They can, plus they can get the information uh, because it emits, it's a sensor and a receiver. Uh, so the, this is also surveillance, but this is profound. Yeah, look, look what this is. If this is from the patent. Fish uses fluorescent DNA probes, that's the quantum dot to target specific chromosomal locations within the nucleus. So, I mean, this is all about hybridization. I mean, it's, that, so that's, you know, this is in the, I mean, and we know this is happening. This is in the patent and people are magnetic. This is, I found one, I found one of three patents and this is the only one that I've been courageous enough to disclose so far. Um, and this is related to these injections too. It's the intelligent sensor platforms. And again, everything looks like this. This is the image. This is an image of the vaccine mRNA lipid nanoparticle technology from a peer reviewed. Um, you know, they look exactly the same. Um, again, it talks about that these are protein shells of a virus. What are we told the lipid nanoparticles are? Protein shells of a viral sequence, liposomes, lipids heat shock proteins. Now that just jumped out at me because of what you were saying about Morgellons disease and those other creatures, right? Uh, th this is high heat. I don't know what ferritins are. Uh, and uh, this is what the patent is for. Again, it's, it's for the lipid nanoparticles. I'm just showing you, yeah, for advanced research. So this is, these are images that were created to represent what's in the shots, which we know are bioweapons. What is this technology used for? It's for creating spawning, comprising, modifying, repairing, regenerating, reassembling, and or control and regulation of one or more cells, cellular elements, organelles. So spawning is the word in there. So to use an animal or cells within an animal to spawn this new species. Spawn, what, is the, uh, what does that mean? Um... Spawn is, um, so it, it's it's how you don't usually use it to talk about a human procreating and reproducing. Um, it's you know, the you know it's it's about re it's reproduction. You know, so you know a, a you know whatever um, the way a, a hydra a hydra can spawn like you 
you know, it can spawn 10 new hydras or whatever. Got it. I'm, I'm not, you know, my background is German. Some of the words I'm just like spawning. No, no, that, that makes perfect it, sense. It means to give birth. So like a black widow could spawn 500 new black widow, whatever widows. So in, um, in America, we, you know, so obviously with humans, you say birth. When we talk about Satan, we talk about Satan's spawn. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So the term spawn usually is in in America, like um, culture, you know, uh, movies and stuff. It's so it's yeah, it's the, the the anything that Satan created is his spawn. Wow. Yeah, it's a weird word to see in there. It doesn't say replication; it says spawning. And again, this is what's interesting. Minimal functionalization can enter the central nervous system, including uh, crossing the blood brain barrier. Um, so that's what these are designed to do. And then down here, it says, um, you know, post administration delivery for one or more types against uh, the CNS in 30 minutes or less. So these are just, I mean, they're, they don't cover it up. And listen, look at this. This is what you would be interested in too. Um, it is uh, self-directing, self-replicating, um, self-teaching, self-adapting, self-repairing, self-regulating, and self-regenerating. That's total artificial intelligence, a new species, exactly what we've been saying, synthetic biology. But it's, it's like an AI self-replicating computer. You don't have control over this. This is why in that section that I was uh, talking about earlier that nanotechnology can be weaponized. It's a weapon of mass destruction where some uh, uh, researchers were saying this can be worse than a nuclear bomb because no one can control nanotechnology once it's released. It grows. Uh, you know, it just continues. Yeah, it's a, it's a new species and it's intelligent uh, and, you know, it can develop intelligence greater than ours and it has no soul. I don't know why anyone did this. And I just want to show, so this patent talks about how they can deliver this weapon, this AI intelligent adaptive w weapon. And there's a ton of stuff here, but I just pointed out pills, intravenous, oral means, uh, nanocapsules, nanoparticles, nanodevices hospital and medical supplies, dental supplies, non-prescriptions, medications, over-the-counter products, remedies, alternative medicines. I mean, the list goes on and on. Wraps, masks, markers, so you know it was in the mask. They're putting it in the masks. Powders, um, geriatric care products, pediatric care products. So that is um, baby formula, um, you know, baby food. Diagnostic devices, um, it goes on to say uh, it can be put in bath products, animal care and veterinary products, uh, slaughter systems, I mean, um, prophylactic protections. I mean, this, Anna, they just list, they don't, ointment, salves, topical agents, and then, I mean, they list everything. And what they don't list, they state, the above described embodiments have been set forth to describe more completely and concretely the present invention and are not to be considered are construed as limiting the invention. So they're like, if we forgot to mention somewhere that we could put it, um, we can put it there. They do talk about the water supply system. They talk about air conditioning systems. I mean, this is, this is COVID-19 is a war on humanity. Um, yes. And this, this is just, so real quick, this is a company based out of China. They're called Clive Mines. I mean, they're, they say we're launching a new 5G robot species. Um, and this is what is really creepy. It's, intelligent services for robots that through artificial intelligence are enhanced by humans. 
So they're using us to enhance an artificial intelligence experience. And if you look at their 2019 SEC filings, again, I, I don't know why we have the 5G towers up because it clearly states here that the 5G telecommunication network, um, security and actuators, what are these things building? Self soft actuators in our body uh, are expected to bring forth new capabilities and applications that will accelerate the growth of the cloud robots. And um, this is the new species. It says the 5G network, um, what it allows for is, um, they don't wanna have, they want speed. They don't wanna have it to be slow. So they need the 5G network to make it fast to increase the data uh, transmission rate and delay, delay delays, delay making it slow um, so that they can achieve real-time monitoring and control. Uh, and the broad application of 5G will significantly decrease latency uh, and increase bandwidth. And then down here, they specifically talk about other leading economies that are accelerating the deployment of 5G include China, Europe, Japan, where they plan to launch uh, commercial 5G networks. Um, and I do believe, oh, here, before that it says, and the speed uh, is 100 times faster. South Korea and the United States have launched the world's first commercial 5G service in April 2019. So South Korea and the United States were the number, were the first people to have this technology. It's a weapon of mass destruction. They, they are considered uh, by the Department of Commerce uh, to be a, a threat to national security. So the Bureau of Industry Security advances national security foreign policy. Um, to control treaty compliance by promoting continued U.S. leadership. They said right here, uh, this entity, which is Cloud Mines right here, uh, is uh, thought to believe to pose a significant risk of becoming involved in activities, uh, commodities and their technologies are for military and use in China. And they're contingent on 5G. So why do we put up a bunch of 5G networks during uh, COVID if, if, if that's for uh, military end use? Wow. Uh, yeah. That's just phenomenal. And thank you so much for, you know, walking us through this broad, broad, uh, amazing information that you have. And I do think that uh, it puts things into a context that people really need to understand. And, and I really want to encourage people. Karen Kingston has been speaking out for the last two years. And I remember sometimes, you know, she's like looking at me and says, Anna, I said that like a year and a half ago. <laughs> like, you know, I said, Karen, what I need to do is I need to like go through all of your videos and watch every single one of them because, it, you know, it, you have put forth so much information for so long. And there is still, um, you know, like we discussed in terms of people to understand what a spike protein is. I mean, this is this is outrageous to understand that it is a, you know, that it is synthetic biology, really. Um, and so I just want to thank you for all of your work, you know, and uh, I highly recommend Karen Kingston's Substack. Uh, it's, it's, it's phenomenal information that you don't get anywhere else. Uh, really, she's somebody who sees things that nobody else sees, you know, uh, and um I just want to say, you know, thank you. And so in terms of uh, where can people find you, you're, um, just let us know. Yeah, the, the best place is Karen Kingston Substack. And I, you can find me on Getter for Karen Kingston. And um, so depending on what you're looking for, if you're looking to understand the science and the bioweapon, I would start with uh, part one, dismantling the COVID-19 deception. Um, and it's the AI nano weapon or the spike protein. So just do part one, that's free. A lot of the content's free. Some of it, some of it you have to, to pay for, but a lot of it's free. So start with part one, dismantling uh, the COVID-19 deception. 
And that explains what this AI technology is. And then you can kind of go through it. But if you just want to know, like, um, how to move forward with charging Pfizer and stuff, intended consequences is a, a free um, uh, article too. And it explains how this was absolutely designed as a bioweapon. There's no, there's no gray area. And then there's 13 reasons to have your attorney general seize the bioweapon. So those are the three articles I would recommend because like me, my Substack's overwhelming with like information. I know people are like, so it's like, they're like, where do I go to start? Start with part one. That's a good place to start, you know? So that's what I would recommend, karenkingston.substack. But thank you for having me. I mean, I do want people, again, the, the devil, you know, he loves to create chaos and overwhelm us. And, and I think what's important to know is that if the, the truth will set you free, you know, um, sanctify them with the truth. Your word is the truth. I mean, you know, God promises us that if, if we don't fall for, as fools to the devil's tricks, we will be saved, right? He promises us that. So I think that's what's important is like, you know, let's not get too overwhelmed with all, all this information. I mean, if you have minds like you and I, Anna, like go for it. Like we, you know, we'll, we'll that's that's the way we are. But um, if you want to just, just know, this 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 injection is a bioweapon because it was we were told it's a vaccine. It doesn't prevent disease, doesn't prevent infection, causes harm. There was no bona fide research. And again, 13 reasons to have your attorney general seize the bioweapons. You can start having those conversations. And I think that that's a good place to start. But if you want to go down the rabbit hole, start with part one and my substacks um, probably probably as fun for some people as your substack is as far as going down the rabbit hole. <laughs> So anyway. thank you so much, Karen, for everything that you do. I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anna. I appreciate you too. God bless.